You're listening to Alabama Tradition with Ryan Fowler and Martin Houston on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. National Championships. 27 SEC titles. 131 first-team All-Americans. 70 postseason appearances. 39 postseason victories. This is Alabama football. And this is Alabama Tradition with Martin Houston and Ryan Fowler on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. tradition as we talk about the Alabama Crimson Tide football. Martin Houston going to be joining me here in just a couple of minutes. A lot of things to talk about on the world of sports. When you look at it involving the University of Alabama, uh, we've had a great conversation. I know if you just tuned in to the game, uh, we were talking about worst stadium experience. And I thought the uh, the conversation, when you look at Ole Miss, uh, I, I didn't realize, I mean, Ole Miss has only beat Alabama 10 times in the history of this big rivalry uh, when you look at Ole Miss and Alabama, they're teeing off against those guys. Well, when you look at the University of Alabama, it's obviously they're bothered when you lose to Ole Miss. So that was a big part of the conversation. Uh, when you look at it, we went from 1988 to uh, – I, I didn't even write down all the numbers of Ole Miss, but it was just tons of numbers. 2014 came up uh, right there in the end from Karen. When you look at losing Ole Miss, I guess the expectations of never losing – uh, to the folks from Oxford, Mississippi. So that'll be a part of what uh, things that we'll dive into. We also had Brad uh, Crawford on earlier. Uh, when you look at college football's most hostile environment, uh, he he took, you know, Alabama wasn't a part, but one of the reasons why he said Alabama wasn't a part is just the, the conference schedule when you look at Alabama. And it is. It's a bad schedule uh, when you look at Alabama and you look at uh, what these guys it would be a very difficult job for season ticket holders to try to sell uh, the home schedule for the University of Alabama. But he does feel like that Alabama is going to run the table. He's got him at 13-0, and and he's got him a big spread when you look at Alabama and Miami. He's got him at 55-17, to so that was a lot of fun, a bit of visit with him. We also had Jerry Palm on from CBSSports.com. He kind of labeled out the repercussions of where we're going, and we looked at the divisions. And we talked about, well, the SEC, when you look at number one and number two, when you look at number one and number two, would it be better of the top two teams in the SEC playing one another or doing away with the divisions in the SEC championship game? Uh, Pete Thamel kind of talked about that, and we tied that back to the University of Alabama. So a lot of expectations, a lot of recruiting side of things. You know, we've, we've tried to provide you with a couple of different updates and so we'll do that as we travel throughout the day. Let's go to Martin Houston, former fullback at the University of Alabama. Uh, Martin, I hope all is well. Welcome into the game in Tuscaloosa. All is well, sir. Glad to be in. Is, is the, we're in with the game? Oh, what did I say? Did I say the game? <laughs> yeah. I'll drop a dollar in the jar. I'll drop a dollar in the jar. Uh, no, I was, I'm surprised we don't do that a whole lot more. Yeah, well, and I was just looking down. I was going to ask you, uh, we did worst stadium experience as far as a, a Alabama fan going into an opposing stadium. We heard 1988-1989 Ole Miss. We heard 1990 Florida. Uh, I was sitting here writing these notes down. I'm like, well, Martin's, Martin was a part of three or four of these teams uh, talking yeah. about uh, the worst. I was, I, was on, I was on those two for here. Yeah. Well, 88, 89, right? You were on both of those Ole Miss games. Yep. And then 1990, yeah, Florida game. Yep. So uh, Uh, it was, it's kind of fun. Worst stadium experience uh, 
You know, we, we, we kind of talked about hostile environments. I mean, in your opinion, what is the most hostile environment that you've played in? Most hostile uh, as far as just the, the ability for the fans to affect the game in the stadium to affect uh, the teams on the field and probably cost Alabama uh, at least an uh, outright SEC title and a shot at a national title was the Auburn game in 89. Um, with Pat Dye and company, uh, the first time ever there was absolutely the most mind numbing, loud game I ever played in my life. Um, you couldn't, I mean, it, it literally, when someone was talking to you on the field, when they were at their peak, it looked like they were just, uh, uh, moving their mouth. You couldn't, I mean, you couldn't hear anything. So, uh, that would be crazy. One now, one of the more interesting things, and it was kind of a kind of funny when we played Southwest Louisiana, which is now I think just Louisiana Cajuns. I don't think, or I think what do they? I think this is all they go by now. But it used to be Southwest Louisiana, yeah, the Cajun raging Cajuns, and and their their um, stadium was almost like basketball. Um. Like when we were on the sidelines, their fans could talk to us. Oh, and really? Throwing cups. Yeah, yeah. Literally, there's a picture actually of me on the sideline at the end of the game, uh, looking up to a fan talking to him. I mean, when I say they could talk to us, like the sideline backed up against the fans. Uh, so, so that was a very interesting one from a from a player standpoint with the fans. Uh, uh, cups thrown out of everything. It was very interesting. Well, and you, you look at the University of Alabama. When you look at Bryant Diddy Stadium, uh, it's a great venue to play in. Uh, we were kind of arguing the point when you look at Alabama and the improvements they've made. Uh, Alabama's won 54 out of the last 56 games inside Bryant Diddy Stadium, Nick Saban's home record. And, you know, if you go back to 1929, Alabama has a 83%. Now, listen, they played some in Legion Field, so I know that's kind of skewing. But inside Bryant Diddy Stadium, 83% of the time, Alabama wins. So they defend the home turf pretty easy. Yeah, well, you know, what's interesting, Ryan, is Alabama fans have gotten better uh, because of Nick Saban. But Alabama was not a home field advantage in Tuscaloosa, per se, from a crowd standpoint when I was playing. Uh, only because we had more fans, but from it being just a rowdy, you know, fans loud, cheering at the right time, all of those, a lot of that didn't happen. And part of that it was the Greek system. I mean, it used to pee us off, man, when, when like, you know, we were coming along during the era of the wave, and there was huge blocks of, of the stadium that were, were the Greeks. Uh, and it would just, it'd be, you hear the noise and then it goes silent. And then you, the noise would pick back up. And so it was, it was, back then players, and uh, mo- most of them will agree, it was fun. It was more fun to play in Birmingham and on the road than it was to play in, in Brian Denny. So, really? I mean, really? Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was, we, 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 I, 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 I don't remember. I still don't, to, to a huge degree, considering how good we really are. You, you, you. What, what's our reputation as a stadium? Rather than our players on the field, what, what, what's our reputation from a fan standpoint or a rowdy standpoint? It's not, Le- is it? Leaving at halftime. I mean, it's. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we're too good to have a rowdy fan. Well, because we're, we're <laughs> so, so, somebody texted me and and told me uh, I, I was I was taking a shot at the uh, the folks between the twenties. They like to sit on their hands sometimes. I said, "Yeah, we sit on our hands because we're too tired yelling after the forty nine points that's been scored." Uh, <laughs> but I'm not saying all the, the Bell fans now are, are better than they were when we were. I mean, when I say better. Um, I think it's just so many more seats there. It's a louder stadium. Uh, I do think uh, it, it probably is more engaged, even than it was. But, but now, now understand when we played on the road and we played in Birmingham, that was that was Bama fans too. Uh, I'm not talking about the other team fans 
were better when we went on that. I'm saying that that when you went on, a, when we were in Birmingham, it was, it was, I guess it was, they just appreciated it, that it wasn't just, hey, let's fill a stadium with, you know, with uh, the, the diehards and Greek and local. When you went to Birmingham, those fans wanted to be there. They traveled there. And, and part of that ride, the bigger games were in Birmingham. So that could have had something to do with it. When I was playing, we played Tennessee in Birmingham. We played Florida, you know, uh, in Birmingham. Uh, we played Auburn in Birmingham. So, so that could be part of the Birmingham uh, versus Tuscaloosa. I played, like, South Carolina uh, at Bryant Denny, Kentucky at Bryant Denny, Ole Miss at Bryant Denny. So it, it, it could be the team. And, and, and the excitement. But on the road, boy, those Bama fans, nothing in Sweden is going to Rocky Cop. And and they had this, the, the few thousand Alabama fans up in the corner, uh, and the only ones you could hear at the end uh, was, was the Roll Tide. Uh, that was the sweetest sound of, of any stadium. Same thing down in Baton Rouge. So. Well, when you look at Legion Field, Martin, I mean, can you believe that – you know, I know none of us like change. We like to drive the same way to work. We like to eat the same food. You know, I mean, none of us. We're, we're habit-forming individuals. Uh, but can you imagine we were debating? Because when they moved all the games, hold on, Legion Field, you're leaving Legion Field, leaving Legion Field. I mean, there were some people that were on board. Uh, but think about how crazy that would be now. And, you know, that, that was a great move, and maybe we didn't see it coming. Yeah, I think it was absolutely a great move. And, you know, of course, uh, so many people in the city of Tuscaloosa uh, have benefited from that, that move, Ryan. Their, their businesses and legacies and, and operations and, and, and things right now in our community that would not exist had that move not been made. That leads to another reason of why I believe that you know the playoff of the answer of the playoffs need to figure out how to get every team involved uh, unless you're the bottom four a chance to have a home game, additional home game to to reward the city and the fans. Oh, it would be. Listen, could you imagine? Could you imagine Alabama hosting a playoff game? Or oh yeah, <laughs> economically exposure for the city. Because we do need to give something back to those season ticket holders, and I think that would be an incentive. I, I would like the idea. Yeah, yeah, and that's that, you know what, what's interesting is five, five, six, seven, and eight will get to host a home game. What kind of sense does that make? That you're going to give five, six, seven, and eight a home game, but you're not going to give one, two, three, and four a home game. You know, that's the extra game. Just put it in there, and then then have the others the way you've been doing it. But this is, once again, what are they trying to do, Ryan? They're trying to do something that Nick Saban told them would not be possible. They're trying to save the bowl system. They're trying to get – what you're going to see is with this expansion, I think you're going to see uh, the drop-off of so many of these bowl games. Um, and, of course, then ultimately that's going to hurt – all of those other programs out there that's trying to it's kind of going to have the reverse is going to going to hurt them because they're going to lose that extra spring practice. I don't know if that's what people realize. The reason coaches love spring practice, I mean bowl games, is it's it's like an additional spring practice. They get fourteen, fifteen, you know, nineteen practices or whatever it is, um, even if they're not playing for a championship. So it'll be interesting to see. How, how many of the bowls are able to save? Uh, because some of them are going to go away with this, I believe. Well, I mean, you said it right there when you when you look at it. I mean, think about the number of bowl games that now, because if you're not part of the 12 teams, it's going to become less important for those bowl games. I mean, it, it'll become sure. where it's almost irrelevant to, to go to bowl. Right. Oh, you're going to bowl game? Well, I mean, oh, you didn't make it one of the – so I don't know how they're going to do it. Because I, I, I listened to the last conference call, the teleconference last Thursday, and it was talking about, well, we got to save the bowl system. I, I think they're trying to save something that's on its way out. I think college football, and Dan Wetzel kind of explained this, I think the college football has outgrown the bowl system. Well, 
I mean, they, they, they've modified the, the playoffs out of the bowl system. Um, when, when, and then, Ryan, the other part is when these players aren't interested in playing, um, to me, there, there is a way to, that if I was doing it, you know what I would do? I would get rid of those alliances. And if I'm in Florida, I'm putting a Florida team in and maybe two Florida teams in. If I'm in California, I'm putting two California. You see what I'm saying? Sure. Like if they're irrelevant, uh, but 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 I'm giving my fan base. It, think about, of course, our bowl isn't big enough here in Birmingham, uh, but you know, um, but if they did put Auburn and you know, uh, or just Troy and UAB, they sell more tickets than they do having a bowl alliance with somebody from out of state. But it'd be another, like another home game and a neutral site game with local Alabama. You do that in, you know, Tennessee, you do that. And wherever the bowl games are happening, California and Florida mostly, uh, for those teams, I think you, you could save a few of the bowls that way. Uh, same thing in Texas, but, um, I don't know. It, 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 and, and then, of course, I guess you could invite some of the people from up north to want to get away from that cold. <laughs> well, and, and, and could you imagine for us uh, having to go up there one time? I mean, like that. I mean, say if we get on the flip side and you lose the SEC championship game and you get kind of thrown in what I'm kind of calling the losers bracket, uh, you may have to make a trip to Wisconsin in January. Oh, you, you're nine, ten, eleven, and twelve, and you have to go play Michigan or Ohio Woo. State uh, up there uh, in the playoffs. All of a sudden, those teams have a distinct advantage. Uh, over some of the Southern teams because the players just aren't used to it. And it's different. It is different playing in cold. Uh, and, of course, that's what they say is the advantage to the Alabama. I mean, the Southern teams, uh, and part of the reason we dominate so much when it's not in a, in a, a dome-type situation. Well, and some of the arguments have been, you know, this week as far as engaging and growing the sport. And I'm all about growing the sport. But I just don't feel like that, okay, you don't earn a spot. Well, let me just give you a spot. Let me, let me put you there because we think that you should be a part of the conversation. And I, I really well, haven't heard a great argument of why we're expanding other than money, 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 well, money, money, money. Well, Ryan, let me ask you this. What percentage of, of teams should have a legit shot to win their championship? In every league, in every division. What, what percentage – what percentage of teams have a legit shot to win the NBA title? I mean, not have a legit shot, but make it to the playoff. Well, fifty percent. Are you saying you're saying the NBA? Yeah, NBA. Man, I right? I, I don't have a clue. Yeah, you, you, you said fifty percent. Have what about baseball? Same thing. Oh well, yeah. What but, about? I, well, what I, about I think NFL? baseball. It may be even less. I mean, it may be no, no, they, no, they, you know, they added a a, a, um, a wild card playing game for baseball as well. NBA added a playoff playing game. My my point behind that is like division, like FCS has sixty something teams that make it, right? Thirty two games, I think, week one. Um, Twelve teams, right? I don't have a problem with the expansion. Um, because if, if, if you if you're not going to separate them out, then give them a chance to play and prove it. If you if you're not going to put the the mat in the American Athletic in a separate division, then it's wrong. What 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 we enjoy as fans is wrong. It is absolutely wrong to have a championship that no matter what they do, they can't play for it. And that's where we are right now. Right now, it doesn't matter what the American Athletic Conference does. They will not get in. Unless everybody has multiple losses. That that to me, that is that is integrally wrong. That is that that, that is wrong, right? I mean, so well, we're, I'm lying other, I'm we're, we're lying right, to we're, we're, we're yeah, lying to We we are. Yeah, I agree with you. And you got thirteen people sitting in a room somewhere picking the champion. Whether we say it or not, that's who picks the champion. The champion isn't decided on the field, Ryan. 
Because they take they take they take a hundred and thirty two teams and say these are the four best. They don't know that. Well, and but but I like I said I I agree with you. I think we should start lying to them and tell them they're part of it. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna, make, I'm gonna make a prediction. In five years, if you add up the the, the group of five, the non power five teams. I can almost bet you that they're not really going to be a part of this conversation. That they're getting them and they're pretending that they are to get their vote to expand to twelve teams. Because they, the, but they will, they will run because they will be. There are going to be times when the American Athletic Conference champion is going to be high ranked and going to be in the top six. So, so you Cincinnati, Cincinnati would have been in this year. Um, in front of the, the uh, other champions, because uh, and because the, there's only five Power Five champions, they said six are going to get in. Right. So, but where, so, the, where so, are they going to get the rankings at? You you know this committee is going to dangle the carrot in front of them, and they're going to move. Uh, you know the the, the goalpost. They're, they're going to move the the finish line. You watch it. But 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 who? But there's always going to be a six champion. And how do they there's do always, Right. There's always going to be a six champion. So the six, it doesn't matter where everybody's ranked. The six highest ranked champion, if this, if this UCF, they could be ranked 20th in the polls. And that's the... But they're still getting in. So what, 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 would, you, what would you do? If you were on that, well, I'll tell you what, let me break here. Let me come back on the other side because there's some scenarios when we look at 12-team college football playoff. Let me ask you what you would do on the other side. That's Martin Houston. I'm Ryan Fowler. This is Alabama tradition, the past, present, and future of the Alabama Crimson Tide. You are listening to Alabama Tradition with Martin Houston and Ryan Fowler. Your connection to Tuscaloosa and the University of Alabama Athletics on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. All right, so let's go to Martin Houston as we'll continue this conversation. Alabama tradition, the past, present, future, the Alabama Crimson Tide. But, Martin, you're a, a member of the media. You do a radio show here on Tide 100.9. Uh, you're a former player. If, if you were looking at inside college football and you were asked to be uh, something, the criteria, how they should decide this, what would you do? What, how would you select the team? All the conference champions from the Power Five would be there, period. Okay. But I would, I would, I would tell the other guys that they're just. There may be one at large, but I wouldn't put them in necessarily as a conference champion. Um, there'd be one at large, and that's where I would go. I would go at six at large. If I was doing it, I would go at six. One and two get a buy. Uh, the first. Home game is at home of three at the home of teams three and four. But if I was picking the twelve, then I would go through and I would get the uh, same things five conference champions. I don't know why they're doing the sixth thing other than like you said to get the votes, Ryan. Um, but I wouldn't I wouldn't put that the the group of five in automatically. If a group of five happens to be ranked within uh, the, the top teams, then they would then they would be in. Um, then I would look within the conference. The teams playing in the conference championship, and this is where it's going to get kind of sketchy, Ryan. Um, if you're going to still have the conference champions, does the, the conference champions play each other? You know, I mean, like the division champs play each other. And and then if one loses, but there's another team uh, behind that that champion, do they get in, or do you take somebody from the same division? And that's the part that's going to be fun. I would I would pick the best teams since we don't have um, 
we don't we don't have enough inter squat mixing or inter conference mixing um, with with the games. I would pick my five conference champions, and then I would pick uh, seven of the best remaining teams. Martin Pete Thamel also tweeted out earlier today that he thinks that the biggest thing that that is going to have to be changed because we let, let's say that we put in a automatic bid for the Pac-12, and we'll pick on those guys since we you know we we, we do often uh, with the way they play football out there. But let, let's say that you got a team from the South with this number, and then you've got a Oregon team that let's say they have 11 wins uh, out of the 12 regular season games. They're 11 and one, and you say, okay, well Oregon would be a good uh, team to put in this playoff, but let's say they get upset in the in the tw- uh, the Pac-12 championship game, or you could say the same for the SEC. Uh, Alabama's running the table, but they get upset. Pete Thamel thinks that the the divisions is going to have to be something that's going to be talked about of maybe no longer doing divisions in your conference championship and taking the two best teams, which would give you a little bit of wiggle room that you might not put a you know a seven and five team that just happens to win the other side of the division and then give them a chance to play. But if they win the conference championship, they're in. You're saying don't have the conference championship? No, no, no. Have the conference champion, but actually put the best two teams in uh, that conference in the championship. So regardless if they're in the West or the East or the South or the North, if they're the best two teams ranked, put them in the championship. Just like basketball does now. Right, yeah. No, really. And and, and to me, I like that. I I mean, I would have a problem with – you know, having some of the rivalries and having some of the division for travel and expense and all of that. But when it comes to the championship game, you're taking the two best teams with the best record. I, I, I would have zero issue with those two teams playing. And I wouldn't have an issue with necessarily both of those two teams ending up making it into the playoffs uh, in a scenario where – um, say Nick Saban's second year, 2008, if that was a scenario that played out and Alabama and Florida lost, uh, I would have zero issues with uh, Florida going in as the best uh, team, but Alabama would only fall to, from in that scenario, uh, they were number one, right? Florida was number two. Uh, Florida upsets Alabama. Alabama falls to what five or six? Sure, yeah, not, not so they wouldn't fall far. Max, that's how far they would fall. But because they wouldn't be a conference champion, the highest they would be ranked is five. Um, and I would have zero problem with that. Think about that, Ryan. If you had that scenario, Alabama would be playing a home game this the, the next week or two weeks later at Bryant Denny. Being mad at Florida, who wouldn't want to go see that team play? <laughs> right, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, well, I, I mean, I like that scenario. Well, and you might even have to play a team. I mean, how crazy it would be, but you may have to play a team three times. I mean, let's say if it's an yeah. Alabama and LSU in the SEC championship game, you, you may meet them in the regular season, the conference championship, and you may see them again in the college football playoffs because if they're that deserving to be in the conference championship. They may be one of the at-large bids. And and, uh, and you know what, Ryan? Bring it on, right? <laughs> sure. I mean, we, we we talk about how hard it is to beat a team twice. How hard would it be team to beat, beat a three, team three times? Well, I mean, who, who, who would you say has been Alabama's uh, arch nemesis that you wouldn't want to watch multiple times? Uh, you know? Well, I mean – are you asking me for a team? Okay. Yeah, look at that. Your Alabama lost to Auburn, okay? Um, when they were 13, 12 and 0. I yeah. mean, uh, what, 10, 11 and 0, whatever it was? Yeah. Uh, 2000, whatever year that was. Yeah, 2013. Yeah, yeah, the kick six. Wouldn't you have loved to see uh, them hit right back over to Atlanta the sure. next week? But if I'm an Auburn fan, I'm like, no, man, we already beat you guys. We already. <laughs> You know, so you, I mean, to flip it back to back. Think week. about that. That's the only place in college. That, that, that's one of my biggest pet peeves with Division One football. It is one of the most awesome sports in the world, but yet we have all of these little innuendos that we go, oh, man, we don't want that. 
Why else do you not have to play the best team multiple times? What other sport do you, you what other sport, what other championship can you win where you don't play have you don't have the threat of playing a team virtually guaranteed, guaranteed that you're gonna play them multiple times? F- FCS, you're gonna most likely play the champion once or twice. Okay, that's probably the least. But you got to win five games to win your championship. So if the team's good enough, you're going to see them. Then you take NBA, Major League Baseball, hockey, you know, basketball, Alabama. I mean, <laughs> you that's that's what you do to win the championship. You play the best teams in this. I guess my thing is Ryan. Division one football, where I hate uh, what I hate about Division one football is it's the only sport where you have to be perfect to be considered a champion. And if you're not perfect, you don't get the chance to redeem yourself within the same year. And this this would give you a likelihood that that's going to happen. So, Martin, if you're Nick Saban or if you're Dabo, your your old teammate here at the University of Alabama, or maybe you're Ron Day at Ohio State, what do you have to do different in the month of September and October to prepare for a possible 16-17 game schedule when you look at depth-wise on your team? Don't, don't you have to put a point of emphasis of building depth? Because uh, are you going to be able to run a college athlete 17 times? Out there, is, is it is it? Why is it seven? It's sixteen games, right? There'd be fifteen or sixteen. Well, if you, if you right. okay, it'd be sixteen. Thirteen. Yeah, but but if you go to the SEC title game and you lose, but you're still in, you'd have to go seventeen games. Oh wow! Right? Because it'd be what four playoff games? Yeah. Well, yeah, you'd be five consecutive. If, if, if you. If you run, if you run the table, you'd have to win right. four. Yeah, you'd have to play have seventeen to games if you lost uh, your conference championship. Well, for Alabama situation. Oh wow! Uh, I mean, I mean, you have to look at uh, bye weeks um, in terms of. First of all, I, if they if they add these games, I hope they lower the regular season. I hope they don't ask players to, to play 17 games. Uh, come on, Mark. Uh, you, you know they're not, man. They're, uh, they're money hungry, but, man. They're, they're doing but, it for the money. But 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 if they're not going to do that, uh, then by week, I think you could see the season start a little earlier, which is going to make it, you know, you kind of go, well, isn't that worse? Not necessarily, uh, you know, Nick Saban believes in giving off, re, you know, re, recoup time. I think you'll see that. I think you'll see uh, them building, you know, some some the way they practice um, in terms of length of practice. Uh, I wouldn't give up my, you know, a lot of people are like I'm gonna give up my pad. I still think you have to hit. I think you have to practice the way you play. I don't think you can become a good tackling team late into December uh, and January if you stop hitting in September. Um, so, uh, but you can lessen the length, the, the practice days, do more stuff um, um, where it's visual learning. But it, it, it'll be tough. Well, but that's you, why I don't. That's why. That's why. I, like I said, I wasn't necessarily a fan of of going to twelve teams. But I'm okay with everybody that plays having a legit shot. What? Let me ask you about your position because to me, the running back just takes a beating. Uh, and I know you give out some beatings too, but uh, you're on the collision side of a lot of those. And you look at a running back, you almost wonder if Nick Saban is going to have to, and maybe that's what he's doing with gearing up with recruiting all these backs, trying to get ready for this 12-team playoff. Because I, I still think they'll implement it quicker than what they're saying. They're saying 2025, 2024. I bet you a dollar that they, they will do it not this year, but the following year they'll put it in. Because if they're desperate for money, they need it now. Yeah, and, you know, the, the other part, Ryan, is when are they going to give more scholarships? They're not. You know, that, yeah, because I've asked that, that question. That, they, they don't even, they don't even, they're not even talking about that conversation. 
I mean, not trying to be funny. Part of the reason they can't have that conversation is probably Title Nine. They'd have to find somewhere else on the other side to bump up the numbers, I guess. So, well, and and, and, um, and the other schools don't have the money. I mean, so you had five scholarships, and it's a hundred thousand dollars scholarship, and you have to pay the cost of attendance. Some of these other schools don't have that uh, extra money, is what I've been told. But I mean, well, and and I guess that when you look at it, Ryan. It's really what probably about twenty to twenty-five of the teams, legitimately year in and year out, that will benefit from the extra games. I mean, yeah. when you really think about it, how many teams are actually going to get that additional money? Sure. Uh, of, of the of the four games, so uh, so the, that that's going to be the hard sell too, uh, I guess, on the number of scholarships. Is my expenses are going to go up? But I'm reality once again, which points to the reality of the fact that you need to separate, have five super conferences, and 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 then play it in that way. Give the number one seed uh, a bye week. The other four play it out. You know, um, but anyway, they're not asking me. We're going to continue the conversation. That's Martin Houston. This is Alabama tradition, the past, present, and future of the Alabama Crimson Tide. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Mostly sunny and not as humid today. The high for this afternoon around 90. For tonight, clear and pleasant, the low at 61. We stay dry tomorrow and Thursday. A good supply of sunshine both days. Highs between 87 and 90 degrees. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 86 degrees in Tuscaloosa. The host of the game, Ryan Fowler, and the host of the Martin Houston Show, Martin Houston, have combined to offer a show filled with in-depth analysis of Alabama football and more. Alabama Tradition broadcasts live on Tide 100.9 every Tuesday from 6 to 7 p.m. and is available live and on playback on numerous affiliates around the Southeast. Check out alabamatradition.com for a list of affiliates as well as other great content. over a month away from SEC Media Days, and we look at the University of Alabama. I, I continue to, to wait on three players from the University of Alabama. Now, I would love to see them take one of these coordinators because, you know, I, I've always been for that. Maybe it's Sark. Maybe it's Lane Kiffin in the past, but uh, Bill O'Brien, uh, Doug Marone, Pete Golding. I've always thought it would be kind of cool to take an offensive coordinator or a defensive coordinator uh, but when you look at players, that's still going to stay the same. I assume that they'll take three uh, to Atlanta, excuse me, to Birmingham. It'll be Hoover. Uh, Martin Brian Robinson has been a topic of conversation and trying to place more responsibility on him uh, to maybe take that leadership role and uh, make him, because I can't think of another offensive guy uh, that you'll take to Hoover uh, when you look at the offensive line. I'll return three starters, Evan Neal, Emil Ikior, and Chris Owens. Chris Owens could be a guy. Uh, you don't have any wide receivers, no quarterbacks, but you want to hear from the skill guys. Nobody wants to hear from the offensive lineman, right? Right. Hey, that would be. It would be. Uh, I think it'll either be Brian Robinson uh, from an offensive standpoint, or um, uh, Chris Owens, uh, you know, as as a center. Um, and I guess Evan Neal is is a possibility. You know, as a three year starter, he'd be a possibility, but. Uh, yeah, you, <laughs> there's not a whole lot of glamour and excitement around bringing an offensive lineman unless they have the personality of a Lennon Dickerson. But um, uh, tell you tell you a neat story, Ron. I was uh, at a conference this past the last couple of days, and uh, and I know I'm sidebarring a little bit, yeah, you're, but you're fine. Doctor Elko was talking. Oh, very cool. And he he was talking about. Um, 
Dickerson, and and he said to pretty much to the fact that after he met him and saw him, and I think he may be a Florida State guy, um, but he 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 said early on that Dickerson would be MVP, um, and um, one of the things one of the themes uh, him Dickerson and Devonte Smith. Was, and the whole team adopted it, but it was match me. And and the whole concept behind that was um, we don't have time to goof off. Whatever you see me doing, match me. Think about that with, with how that team just continued to get better offensively. And Dickerson and the offensive line just got better. Devontae Smith and the wide receivers got better. You know, and that their whole, one of the concepts was match me. Don't 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 do what I say. Just do what you see me doing, and do it at the same intensity, consistency, uh, and excellent level that I do. Pretty pretty neat, huh? Well, and man, I tell you, I, <laughs> I've heard great stories about Landon Dickerson from a leadership standpoint, and yep, you know the challenge in the team. And yeah, I mean, just just you know, he, I heard he addressed the team with entitlement, and I think I've shared this story with yeah. you, uh, saying, "Guys, I just came from Florida State. It's not yeah. like this everywhere else. Uh, we right. need to appreciate yeah. this." That 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 was his thing. He was talking about their lack of intensity, and and and, and the fact that they didn't realize how good they had it here, and. That that they needed to take it to the next level, but his his way to do that was to challenge them to match his intensity. <laughs> that explains a lot. Well, and he he'll have a chance to uh, to be a leader, I think, at the next level. I mean, don't, don't you think he's oh. a he, he's a Pro Bowl wow. center in the future? Oh yeah, he he's he's the guy you want in your locker room, man. That's why that's why you see a guy who who. Uh, uh, comes off of a, a, a knee injury, um, just the leader that he would be uh, in the locker room, um, and and how he raises everybody's bar. Ron, he doesn't just—he's not just better. I think everybody around him gets better, and I think that's why you saw the Eagles draft him, even though he's not even one hundred percent. Well, and you. you... You see this, and you know we were talking about it with Tennessee Titans with Julio Jones, Derrick Henry, and uh, listening to their coach and their organization talk about just the trust of going with that Alabama culture, because Nick Saban tests tests you in so many different ways. He wants you to be a leader first, and well, I mean you got to be a player to be a leader. I mean they're not going to listen to a guy that you know is sitting over here that's not the you know a key player, but uh, that that. You can build your team around that Alabama culture. Yeah, you know, the, the, uh, an interesting thing about that that culture, Ryan, is you, and you do have to be a player uh, if the coach is going to put you out there. But remember one of the things that Stallings did as well? He put all the seniors on the leadership team because he felt like if you had been here four years or five years, you had earned your stripes. Uh, and, and so that was a little different. And that, that was a true statement because there was guys who didn't play a lot, uh, but they knew what the culture was, and they knew how to protect the culture, and they knew how to weed out the, the naysayers. So uh, when you get both of those guys who, who you know, because sometimes, Ryan, that entitlement can happen because you only highlight the superstars. Um but when you highlight the guy who who who's been there week in and week out, day in and day out, and they're not going to play, but they're still just as bought in, uh, it, it does something to the guys who feel entitled uh, when they see the other guy over there working just as hard, who's not going to get to play on Saturday. Well, it's just when when you look at this Nick Saban, one of these days there'll be books written about this what we went through. Uh, when you look at the championships, the culture, and you know the the other part of this that I kind of get excited about is seeing these guys post football. I I, I enjoy the, watching them in the NFL, and I watch them celebrate, and 
you know, maybe it's a Super Bowl or, you know, whatever, Pro Bowl. Uh, maybe we'll have Hall of Famers that will, will step up to that. But I also look kind of past football to see what type of roles they take outside of football. Maybe it, maybe it's in coaching. Maybe that's, you know, that next step. But I think we're going to see some pretty cool things uh, from a lot of these guys because they've studied under one of the greatest leaders, uh, you know, this world's ever seen. Yeah, I, I think without a doubt, the, the, the I call it transferable skills, Ryan. Um, and, and and football is to me is one of the greatest sports that teaches life uh, in general. Even a bad coach can teach life lessons through through football because it's, it's the ups and the downs. Is you know sometimes you have to back up and punt. Uh, and then you have to play defense. But then if you play defense well enough, you're able to get back on the offense. You know, sometimes you get scored on, uh, but you always get the ball back and have a chance to score. And, uh, you know, and so it teaches you so many things about life and comeback and getting up when you're knocked down and, you know, someone trying to stop you from reaching your goal. Well, when a guy like Nick Saban takes all of those life lessons, and, and, and add to it about focus and and getting rid of clutter and 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 learning to you know keep the right things the right things. I mean, just everything that he teaches on and off the field, uh, and, and the importance of you know probably one of the things is just the self awareness that Nick Saban exhibits. Right, he wins the national championship, and by Thursday he's telling his coaching staff that they're one of the laziest group of guys he's ever. <laughs> been around but they just want sure. you know I mean, you, you, you you take those life principles and, and like you said i think you're going to see guys from from here from his era having been great entrepreneurs being ceos of companies and of course you know they're doing their thing on the football field but i think you're going to see it manifest in, in in serving our community uh from a nonprofit, from a ceo business and entrepreneurial standpoint as well. And well, it's going to be great to watch, as you say. I mean, just to be able to have a front row seat. I mean, we already see, you know, Julio Jones uh, owning a dealership. But, I mean, you think about this guy post-football. Uh, and speaking of that, I saw a jump today, and I'm just going, my heavens. I mean, the the off-the-chart skills. And I'm kind of excited of what he's able to do to Derrick Henry up at Tennessee because uh, – those two on the field and the publicity that Alabama will get from that, uh, you kind of get excited. I mean, I, I don't pull for too many things from Tennessee, but I might be pulling for the Titans. Yeah, Ron, I, I, you know, I, we're kind of going all over the place, but yeah. I, I, I love that. that the Julio Jones for the Titans, I, I asked on my show last week, uh, does, does he join the elite uh, company? I think it was Van Buren or something like that in the 40s, Jim Brown. Uh, Emmett Smith, uh, um, as the guys who, who have three consecutive Russian titles. You know, um, some people are saying, well, he's gonna, he's gonna lose carries. He might lose carries, but I guarantee you his average per carry goes up because he's never had a receiver that blocks the way Julio blocks. Oh, great point. And, never thought, yeah, never thought about that. Oh, my God, Ryan. I mean, think about how many times, you know, uh, Julio, you saw Julio pancaking or driving a DB as as those uh, as Mark Ingram went down the field, you know, um, in in that in in, in his season uh, in, in that run. I mean, it's just it, it, it's a game changer, and all of a sudden you you know where where he has you know this ten yard run, that's a you know twenty five yard run. Um, so I, I, it's going to be interesting to watch. And picky poison, right? <laughs> do you double team Julio and AJ Brown, uh, or do you do you put eight in the box and uh, try to stop uh, eight, um, Derek? So um, it'll be int- it's going to be fun to watch. I may watch Tennessee some this year as well. Hey Martin, um, I didn't want to really push you down this conversation because. I know there's a lot of people that with a lot of different opinions, and I, I I don't want to go there with the opinions. But you know, we we lost a um, a former player. It's a fraternity. Uh, you played for Coach Stallings. He played for Coach Stallings. Uh, I've heard your teammate Jay Barker, which uh, played with 
uh, Chris and, and, uh, he had a teammate of Chris's on and, you know, you, you hear a lot of different people and, you know, I was trying to say this, I, I'm never very good with words. I've told you this, I, I, this is where I would not be a, uh, a good therapist to be able to, to manage people in a crisis, but, uh, just losing somebody like, uh, you know, Christopher sign, uh, just a, a former player, you never know when people are a tragedy, and, and all we know is just what's been reported. I know there's a lot of other people out there with a lot of different things. and I I, I, I don't know one way or the other, but uh, maybe we could try to find a way to, to lift someone else that might be in a struggle. And, uh, how do you, you kind of – because I know you posted some things on Facebook and uh, reached out and said, hey, you know, this, this is sometimes when you have to be that person to, to reach out and lift that person up. Yeah, well, well, Ryan, I mean – you know, one of the uh, one of the things I have said that, that the church does a great job with is with the down and out. Um, and, and, and what I mean by that is the church sometimes did a great job with people who are hurting according to the world standards. Um, but uh, pain sometimes can hide behind a smile. Um, pain can hide behind uh, success. Uh, uh, loneliness um, and, and wondering, and I don't know the you know the whole story there, uh, but um, I do know that um, you know uh, I, my wife. Uh, something my wife prays for me every day, Ryan. She prays, God, let someone come across Martin's path today that will encourage him the way he encourages others. Uh, and you don't understand how important that is uh, because we all need encouragement. We all need to be pat on the back. We all need love. We, we all need to be, you know, made to feel apart. And coming out of this COVID, man, um, uh, and I said this, and Dr. Elko said it yesterday. He said words matter. And he said one of the most tragic things of COVID-19 is we coined the term social distancing. He, should, he said it never should have been called social distancing. It should have been physical distancing. Wow. Um, Mark, because, I'm, go ahead. I'm just about out of time. I, I'm getting the wrap-up yeah, sign here. But, but I, I, I'll wrap it up real quick. The most important thing is, is two things. It's, it's love God, love people. Uh, and if you, if you don't, don't love God, uh, I encourage you to do that. But if you don't, at least love people, and that's all people. Uh, the good, the bad, the ugly, the smart, the rich, the poor, and everyone in between. And let me also say this. I, I would certainly reach out to the Christian standpoint, but let me also say this. Uh, there is always help available. National Suicide Prevention Line uh, is 1-800-273-8255. You never know when that person uh, is out in that valley, and uh, you, you just wish hope in a lot of different ways. Martin Houston, I appreciate you. Got to get out of here, man. We are out of time. Appreciate you, Ryan, and pray for the Sion family. Absolutely, no doubt. Big thanks to Bryant. We'll continue with more Alabama tradition next Tuesday, 6 o'clock, Tide 100.9. Good night, T-Town.